Good day! And welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Two weeks in a row, baby. Two weeks in a row. It is a great freaking day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat sports fan. Honestly, folks, that's not planned out. Hummer... <laughs> Hummer is so out of it right now. He doesn't realize that we missed a week. He has he missed a week. He has no clue right now that this is actually we're going on. This is not two weeks in a row, Hummer. This is. I refuse to believe it. We didn't uh, record last Sunday. No, I'm, I'm hoping that the the app for podcast will load soon enough for me to prove you wrong. But we're we're getting. But you back don't have to prove me wrong. We're getting just, back in the groove of things. I don't want to have a fight in front of company. Five, All right, five, five company. months old do this to you. Okay. We've got company over. I don't want to have a fight in front of them. Uh, this is erroneous. Also, I'm going to steal we, your word. We have <laughs> the councilman on the podcast as well. Joe Barnett is back. Welcome, buddy. Finally, the councilman has come back to the Cincy Slangin' podcast. It's damn good to have you, sir. And especially because it means... One thing, football is back. Higher ground. The Bearcats have made their way out to camp. It is officially underway. The hype videos, the hype content, the Twitter speculation, all of it. It's back. It's beautiful. I can't wait to get things underway. Joe, how you been? Catch people up with how you been. It's been a long, long summer. Uh, some unfortunate uh, circumstances for the family, but things are looking on the up and up now. We're less than a month away from football, Bearcat football, the most meaningful football in this city. And uh, now that the Bearcats are out at Camp Higher Ground, the juices are flowing, the creativity is searing through my bones, and I'm ready to talk Bearcats. Ah. <sighs> So good to hear your voice and your enthusiasm, the excitement. I'll say, folks, Hummer's buzzing. Hummer is Hummer is on a on a level that's rarely seen, and so I have very high hopes for what we could create today. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it could just com- completely go off the rails, and you'll listen to us. It's definitely going to go off the rails. There is no way, shape, or form will this stay on the rails. All gas, no brakes on this train, baby. <laughs> You are going to go through this a little differently. I would typically a little peek behind the curtain. I would type up a very brief outline of what we're going to talk about on the episode. I'll pull up my little notes app, put a few things in there. One, two, three, four. Here's an outline of, of what we're getting through, what we want to make sure we cover. No detailed notes, but at least it gives me an outline of where we want to, where we want to start and where we want to end up and finish. I did not make such a note today. I am going to let Joe and his wild and crazy brain take us through where his thoughts are with Bearcats football and sort of guide us through what we should be talking about. It could be good. It could be bad. It could be what keeps you up at night. It's not going to, you know, it's unlikely to be bad when you're talking Bearcats football, but you know, maybe there's a couple of things that keep you up, keep you, uh, you know, discontent under your, under your sheets. (laughs) So Sorry, completely threw myself off there. But Joe, I'm going to throw things to you right now. What is the thing with regard to Bearcats football that is 
is something you can't stop talking about. Something that's got you buzzing, something that you're, you're standing around the water cooler talking about with your friends. What is the thing that you can't stop discussing in Bearcats football land? Well, I wasn't wanting this to be a conference realignment podcast. Skirt. Just kidding. <laughs> Hummer, Hummer went uh, six to 12 real quick, real fast. Alignment. <laughs> so oh, what about it? <laughs> we'll see what happens. I'm all we're, I'm on for the ride. Full bore big 12 until something else happens. I'm I'm in the same boat, Joe. I'm in the same boat. I'm in the boat of I think these school we're in a good we're good, we're in a good spot regardless of what happens. It does Agreed. to me it doesn't matter because if if the coolest thing that actually happens, which was you know Colin Colin Cowherd was saying that you know they're talking about relegation essentially and kicking out smaller schools. Well, Cincinnati's in a top 30, 30, you know two thirty three media market. We're fine. Not worried about it. Bearcats are getting picked up by some conference if that happens. Either way, we're already in the promised land. So we want Bama again. Absolutely. I think we're I think we're in a good spot as far as realignment's concerned. This is the first time in my adult life I felt pretty comfortable with where we're at. So that's a good thing. Uh, I'm all in on the big 12. If we pick up a couple of these losers from the pack 12, that's fine. None of them really do anything for me. Just another team to put an ass whooping on. So Joe, you really wanted to start with being full bore big 12. That's where you want to start things. No, nope, we're already got... off the rails, baby. That's what... <laughs> The wheels that's... are already flipping over. That's what's got, got your nipples tingling. All right. Yep. I would, I would agree, and I think Hummer and I, the last time we did record a podcast, whether that was one or two weeks ago, is TBD. Um, we it did was definitely kinda... two weeks ago. It was on the 24th. I okay. mean, I'm man enough to admit that it was wrong, but that's, that's, what, that's what five months old do to you, all right? You did, time goes by so quickly that it feels so short, you know? Um, time is a flat circle. <laughs> I would say that based on... I think that the biggest development for us was simply getting in the big 12 before all this madness truly hit. Um, Cunningham struck while the iron was hot, got us into a major conference, you know, whether or not Texas and Oklahoma were staying be damned. Um, it was a major, major upgrade in terms of perception to go from American athletic conference to big 12. And it does allow me and I, hopefully you guys and hopefully everybody else is listening I am finding myself able to more easily and fully enjoy and focus on the football, the players, just enjoying all the little things, you know, enjoying the fact that uh, we have this program that is not rebuilding. It is retooling and reloading and, you know, jumping back into a season where they made the college football playoff and starting the year in the top 25 rankings in the college football coaches poll. Um, Again, after losing umpteen players to the NFL. I mean, it was a historic draft for the, for the program. Fickle's got things absolutely humming and we're going, we're in a place now where with our first game at Arkansas in Fayetteville game that I, I am happy to announce I will be at um, assuming I actually get a ticket. I'm, I'm just assuming it it's going to happen one way or another, uh, but I'll be in the city of Fayetteville for the game. And uh, 
we're talking win. We're talking about going to SEC country and getting a dub on the road. I think that is incredibly exciting. Super pumped for that first game. I think uh, today in the coaches poll, UC was listed at 22. Arkansas was listed as 23. So, you know, when you look at from a coach's standpoint, looking pretty even. Um, a lot of, of uh, fall football needs to happen, though, to get there. We got a lot of changes on the coaching staff. We lost nine guys to the NFL. So there's a ton of nine guys. guys. Nine guys. And actually, I think it's uh, 10 now because uh, Mr. Joel DeBlanco has joined Kobe Bryant on the Seahawks. Snaps for Joel. Snaps for Joel DeBlanco. So there's going to be a lot of turnover on this team. A lot of guys that have been sitting behind these studs we had for a couple years ready to play. I mean, if you have read any of the practice reports in the NFL, most of these dudes have been tearing it up. Kobe's been killing it in Seattle. Des, of course, has been, you know, just working through his progression of being a first-year quarterback. Sauce. Enough sauce said. Sauce. First off, first sauce. off, yeah, the stuff that's being said about Sauce is incredible, saying that he talks more trash than any rookie <laughs> that's ever stepped foot on a field. And I'm like, perfect. But, but Joe, there's something I want to ask you about in particular here, because there's a unit with all the turnover we did have from players going to the NFL graduations, whatever. There's a unit that we had a lot of question marks coming into last season about that is largely a hundred percent intact. And that's the offensive line. Are we still seeing, you know, kind of question marks there? Are we worried at all about how this unit's going to perform throughout the season? I think it's going to be very different under Mike Cummings. And I think after he's coming hard, he's making me Cummings all over the place. And when you, when you look at what happened in the, in the cotton bowl, our offensive line struggled and, you know, we made a change on the coaching staff. Ron Crook moved on, you know, he wasn't fired. He didn't go on to a different job. He just kind of moved to the side. And then we brought in Mike Cummings, a guy from central Michigan who has a couple first round draft picks under his wings from a lower level school. So it's clear that he has the ability to grow talent and make guys better. And you're starting to see some shifts along the offensive line and practice so far. I was going to, I think this is a good place to start in terms of what's happening to the depth chart, because this is, this is a position group that actually doesn't have turnover happening, but anytime you have a new coach, uh, be it a positional coach, they want to make their impact in some way, shape, or form. And there's only so many things you can do. You can, you can change who's getting the reps. You can change um, what position someone's playing. And it doesn't seem like we're necessarily going to see a different five in terms of our first team offensive line. I did wonder if we were going to see any of these guys shift around based on some pictures, some social content that was posted on Twitter a few weeks back. It might even be a couple months back at this point. Uh, there was a there was a follower of ours who did write to us. Actually, somebody who's appeared on the podcast in the past, our offensive line guru, uh, Mr. Hauser, Andrew Hauser, wrote to me and kind of pointed out like, hey, 
just based positionally on where these guys are standing in these photos and this content, are we looking at Lorenz Metz moving back to tackle? Is that happening? Is that something that's potentially in the cards, Joe? Because when you look at um, Justin Williams right up on the athletic, it still looks like Metz is being penciled into right guard. But any scuttlebutt, any buzz about what might happen there on the offensive line in terms of guys shifting around? Flip, flip, flip Adelphia. <laughs> so from, from what I've seen in practice reports and social media, um, our dear friend Lorenz Metz has been kind of working his way back from some off-season dings. So he's actually been practicing more with the second team. But what I do find a bit interesting is that our right tackle, Dylan O'Quinn, has been practicing a lot at right guard. So it seems as though there is possibly a flip of getting O'Quinn back inside. He's built more like a guard. I think Andrew Hauser even brought that up when we talked uh, late last season. But I think Mets is probably going to get a pretty good look at right tackle. Hopefully Cummings can work his magic on him and, and get him back to the player that, you know, with his size that you want as a right tackle, but he's got to work on his footwork and getting faster, getting more anticipative and not jumping off sides every time someone breathes on him. <laughs> That's right. That change worries me. That is not something that I would be thrilled to hear or see. I thought that Mets thrived and was very strong as a guard. And I know physically there's a little bit of a mismatch there in terms of how O'Quinn is built and how Mets is built. And it seems like they're lining up in the wrong spot, but we saw dramatic improvement from Mets and not being a complete liability um, as he was at times uh, in that tackle position. And so I do feel like, this could be the case of a coach coming in and thinking that he's sort of got the Midas touch no matter who he's dealing with and maybe getting a little too cute, getting a little too creative. I'm out on Mets back to tackle. I'd love to be proven wrong, but I'm straight up out. I want him to stay at guard. You, you know, just allow him to be comfortable and be solid in that specific role. I don't think we, I can ever envision a world where Mets ends up being an elite or a top level tackle just based on foot speed, based on instincts, based on everything we've seen at, with him at that position. So uh, in terms of Cummings coming in here and thinking and kind of overthinking uh, his specific, you know, how his development is going to impact this. I do think that that probably ends up being a little too cute. We'll see, which is something that definitely caught my eye and was intriguing to me. What say you Hummer? What say me? I think D'Artagnan Tinsley has the greatest name of any any lineman I've ever heard. Like, can, I want to see D'Artagnan get some get some strong reps. I want to hear that name just called out on TV for awesome blocking abilities. Uh, straight out of Westeros. <laughs> straight out of Westeros. Uh, it doesn't bother me either way. I mean. It really doesn't. And if, if Mets is being maybe moved to the right tackle too, because he is overcoming some injuries or some, some stuff he's been working off off season, maybe he's a little more fragile. Maybe they're, maybe they're wanting to get Dylan O'Quinn those reps on the inside to be able to have maybe uh, some, not the knock on walk-ons, but to have, you know, maybe Joe Hubert not necessarily needing to step up right away at right guard, but maybe have Cam Jones being coming in at right tackle instead. If Mets were to go down with an injury in the season, so I think maybe maybe there's a there's also maybe some strategy behind that as well. 
sounds like my friend Hummer has been hearing the same things I've heard about Joe Huber as well. Uh, stepping up as a walk-on and actually getting first-team reps at right tackle, which is very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Uh, Joe Huber was a wrestler in high school. Um, he wrestled 235, I think, in high school, so he was a little light, and that may have hurt his prospects for getting recruited. But uh, from everything I've read, he's been pretty solid at right tackle. Uh, but that's, I agree, that's not the guy I'm hoping is starting when we walk on the field in Fayetteville for sure. And I have a little bit of beef with your love for the name of D'Artagnan, Hummer, because you know that is the name of Xavier's mascot, right? <sighs> Look, Xavier doesn't have a football team, okay? <laughs> they don't have a football team. All right. So, I I knew that Hummer and you're stupid and such an idiot. My bad for that. not knowing the name of our rival school's mascot. My bad. You know what though, Joe? <laughs> you know what? I'm glad this came up finally on the podcast. We've never actually talked about this. It's long been it's long been speculated in our group chat of friends that Hummer's actually a Xavier fan. This has been talked about for years. I infiltrated a podcast. It was just uncomfortable to, just for me to, to bring put, up. Just a push. And that's why he that's why he's all in on D'Artagnan Tinsley. Exactly. Because he's trying to get some Xavier love in the football realm. He's going, it. he's going full musky on us. And he's I wearing he's, blue right now, too. You're fucking out, bro. You're out. I am wearing blue. You're off the pod. <laughs> indefinite, indefinite suspension for loving this guy's first name because I totally knew that. So did Joe. We both looked at you like you're so st- just stupid. God. You're disgusting. Disgust me, Hummer. You know what? Fine. I'm just going to take this exactly where it needs to go then. All right. Everybody's picking a quarterback right now. Who's your guy? Evan Prater. It's not even a hard choice. Like it, This is the easiest question. All of us should be Evan Prater. All of us should be Team Evan Prater. Say it, Joe. Who are you? Who's your QB? Oh, I'm all in Evan Prater for sure. Hummer? You know what? Screw you guys. I'm going all in Ben Bryant. All right. I'm going with experience with an experienced offensive line to lead us to the promised land. Ugh. Why? Because, because why? Does it give us because the most we all upside? Can't, we, we all just can't agree on the same thing. <laughs> well, then defend it. Own it. I can't really, I can't really defend it. I'm not the biggest fan of, of Ben Bryant in terms of like wanting him to see the starting job. I like you want to see Evan start. I want to see him take the reins and get, get reps in, get some quality reps, lead this team. But here's, here's where if I'm making the Ben Bryant argument is that I do expect this team to have zero losses going into the American athletic conference championship game. Right. And can both quarterbacks do it? Sure. But at this point, having the experience might make that more of a reality than having someone who hasn't started any any college games yet, someone who's you know going to be coming in and, and getting that first taste of real action, where they're going to say you're expected to throw the ball downfield, not just run away with your legs every play. And I, I know he can do it. I'm excited to see him be able to do it. But if I'm if I'm taking that stance and saying if I had to make the case for Ben Bryant, he he brings experience. That is one thing that he is definitely bringing to the table this season, and that might matter. 
Joe, before I jump in there on Prater, I want to hear where your head's at in terms of why Prater would be your guy at this point. I want Prater to be the guy, but I want him to actually earn it. I think there's a lot of keyboard warriors that are all in on Evan Prater being the starting guy because he's the highest rated recruit in UC history. Well, guess what? Once they sign that letter of intent, recruiting rankings don't mean jack shit. So with that being said, wasn't there like an like, asterisk by that too? Wasn't he like highest rated at the time? Wasn't there now someone who's been rated higher than him? Yes. So okay. Asterix, star, highest rated at the time. But I like the versatility you get with Evan Prater. You saw a lot of success early on in the fickle era with a guy in Desmond Ritter who wasn't throwing the ball a lot, and he was kind of taking one or two reads and then running. And I think with a guy like Evan Prater with that, that athletic ability and our skill possession depth right now, that's the guy you want because he can get you out of a jam. And don't get me wrong, Ben Bryant isn't a statue in the pocket, but having a guy like Prater being able to get outside and make electric plays, that's what's going to be a difference maker in a team like Arkansas. All about it. I think that's the perfect response, Joe. I do want to see Prater earn it as well. I think that's a given. You want to see him step up, seize the job, and not just have it handed to him. And I've said it all along, like the, the thing with Prater, the only thing that he could really bring to the table that I would say, you know what, he's not ready. He's not, he's just not there would be turnovers. Like if this is a guy who just couldn't, if he couldn't avoid throwing picks or fumbling and we were seeing like two, three turnovers in, in these types of games, you, you would have me reconsidering the position. But I do think that you need as many ways as possible to attack attack any defense and with Prater and his legs, you are introducing an element of offense that just simply wouldn't exist with Ben Bryant on the field. And there's nothing that Ben Bryant is in my mind that he can bring to the table to offset or say the same thing about Prater. Like, I don't think there's anything Ben Bryant is necessarily bringing to the, to the offense from a tangible standpoint, from a point of attack standpoint that Prater can't do. We're going to have a throwing threat. I think it's going to be a fairly conservative offense regardless. We'll see what ha what's in store with Gino. I'm sure they're going to take their shots downfield when you look at the speed that we've got on the on the edge with, with Scott and with Tucker. Um, there's no shortage of guys to throw downfield to, but I do think at the end of the day, the running game and our tight ends are going to be the bread and butter of this offense. So why not incorporate one of the most electric runners of the football from the quarterback position that exists in college football in Evan Prater. We have the guy on our roster. He's going to be electric. He's going to be explosive. Let's get him on the field. That's how I hope things shake out. And I really hope we're seeing a heavy dosage of Prater in game one. And that's because I will reserve the idea that they might want to do two QBs though. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of it. I'd say let, let's rock and roll with Prater. The writing's no. on the wall a bit on the two quarterback system too, because Gino said uh, in a post-practice interview that they are kind of putting different packages in for each guy and they're going to try and play to those guys' strengths. So I'm thinking with a guy like Prater, there's probably going to be a lot more RPO type stuff. And with Ben Bryant, it's going to be more vertical passing attack. So 
I think they're probably going to give both of them some run at Arkansas unless somebody really blows the doors off in the next couple of weeks in practice. Now, I know I know we have the obvious here, a new offensive coordinator. Thank the Lord. Uh, thank the Lord for sending Mike Denbrock to be with, with the evil, evil, evil man, Brian Kelly, down, with in, his down in Louisiana. Family. TikTok, TikTok phenomenon, Brian, Brian Kelly. TikTok phenomenon, TikTok cringe. But here's workaholic. Here, here's here's what, what I'm kind of worried about if like you're trying to make the case between the two. Because I still feel like with Desmond Ritter, knowing that he had the awesome ability, the run that he had, and that we were kind of clamoring for him last season. Hey, let's open up this run. Let's let him let the, let the big dog eat. Let him get in some yards. Let let him, you know, hop over some guys on his way into the end zone. And we weren't really seeing that. And they were kind of wanting him to be more of a pocket quarterback. And that's where Ben Bryant kind of fits that mold more. So I could see that maybe leading into what they're maybe trying to accomplish. But at the end of the day, I think skill, skill wins out, right? If if Prater gets the jobs because he's he has the skill, they see it and he they're gonna they're gonna adapt to his style to make it work. But I can just see it going Ben Bryant's way because I do feel like they're trying to run more of the of the I don't like using that term there, but you know that that NFL style offense. I mean, I'm, I get it. They did go more conservative with with Ritter last season, but I do think there's been a concerted effort over his four year career with the Bearcats to become more of a pocket presence, become a better thrower of the football, spent an offseason working with Jordan Palmer and thought, all right, I'm coming back and I don't even need to necessarily lean on my legs because the arm can do it now. I would also say that the threat of the run still existed under Ritter in those conditions. That was huge for us. And we saw the offense did open up once that threat became more consistent and more present in the games. We should also point out that, yes, Desmond Ritter's 40 time was extremely impressive. And I think it's been the fastest of like the last decade of quarterbacks. Evan Prater is a far more explosive runner. I, and that's just, that's a prediction, but I think that he's going to be a far more explosive runner of the football than Desmond Ritter was. And that's saying something because dead was up his junior year, especially was, was had some incredibly, you know, huge runs for the team. Prater is going to blow it out of the water in terms of what he can do with his legs. I 100% agree, and I'm I'm super pumped to see him in meaningful game action because what we saw, you know, last season when Prater did get in the games, it's in garbage time. He's forcing plays. He wants to he wants to make a big play for the girls and made a few mistakes. But when we get that guy starting, I think it's going to make a big difference. All right. So not not who you guys want to see starting but obviously who do you who do you think will be starting are you guys sticking with the same because i think i, I think we're going to see ben bryant i actually think that's the guy we're going to see starting in i think i think that against arkansas the first quarterback you see walk on the field will be ben bryant but i actually agree with joe i think you're going to see both guys put, get action and i'm not going to be thrilled about it i'm going to want to see more and more of prater but as long as he's getting snaps he's out there getting possessions getting opportunities to win the job um, that'll be a good start there. I think we're going to end up seeing a split, but I do think Ben Bryant's going to be technically the first quarterback you see walk on the field. 
do we see a repeat of Desmond Ritter's career where the plan is to get him in on the third series and let him have a series or two, see how he shakes out, and then put the the old stud back in, only for Evan Prater to not surrender his starting position again. Yeah, <laughs> about that, Coach. That you, no need, no need. Grab a clipboard, Ben. We're good. We're good here. I got this. Joe, uh, okay. I want I want to ask Joe what he's thinking, hearing about the the receiver group because there's a lot of familiar names there. Uh, Tyler Scott, Trey Tucker, we mentioned both of them earlier. Uh, Jadon Thompson. Am I saying his first name correctly? Correct me, Joe. Jadon Thompson? I think it's Jaden. but Jaden Thompson. Uh, Drew Donnelly, who was a freshman last year. Absolute lightning quick, lightning fast. Will Pauling. And then Nick Mardner, the transfer arrival out of Hawaii is somewhat is a name that was very intriguing to me, particularly with his size. What are you hearing about this receiver group? Any surprises or things you should keep an eye on going forward here? I don't think right now we're going to see any big surprises. I've heard uh, in practice, uh, freshman Quincy Burroughs has looked really good, but I think based on some comments we've heard from Gino they're probably going to run two tight end sets a lot more often than they did in the past and that's going to pull a receiver off the field so probably going to get a heavier dose of Lenny and Josh out there and that's going to be at the expense of some of these wide receivers unfortunately do we kind of you kind of have to do that though right like you have two awesome tight ends and Lenny and Josh like do you want them on the field as, as much as possible Right. Like that's just I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Absolutely. One hundred percent. And I think this team, especially if Corey gets healthy, is going to lean heavily on the run, even with it. If, if it's Evan or Ben, I think it's going to be a, a run based offense, kind of like we saw early uh, in the fickle era, you know, run the shit out of the ball and then get those linebackers up, get those safeties up, and then just bang one over the top on them. And we've got the top-end speed with guys like Trey Tucker and Will Pauling and Jaden Thompson to get over the top. And don't sleep on Nick Mardner. He didn't come here to ride the pine either. Yeah, I'm not sleeping on him at all. I thought that this is a guy that you would expect to get some sort of reps. I, I Maybe closer to the red zone. Maybe he's, you know, he's kind of a jumbo package as we get close to the goal line. Do we have a sense of what guys, which which of these receivers has the best ability in terms of blocking? Because doesn't that seem like it could be a bit of a uh, something that gets you over the edge if you're if you're an excellent blocker? Because I do think this team, especially if Prater ends up getting big time run, we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of running in that case. And in the in that situation, you want to make sure your receivers are blocking and, and you have more space downfield. Do we see that as something that's gonna play into decision making, or am I completely overthinking it? I think all these guys are pretty decent blockers. Um, you're going to probably see Jaden Thompson. I mean, he's 6'2", 190, getting a lot of blocking downfield. And how the hell do you try and, like, fight against Nick Mardner, who's, like, 6'6", 215, 220? Like, if that guy's coming downfield trying to block you, what the hell do you do? Run, whimper, cry, call for Fall. daddy fall over, cry, get sent to the shadow realm, a la um, 
Derrick Henry just boom knocked into another dimension. Night night. I mean, I have heard I'm, some stuff too that that Chris Scott has a has a decent some decent blocking abilities that that would probably fit the bill for what what Coomer's seeking there. Someone earning snaps based on their their blocking abilities. Um, so I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if we if we see him get mixed up in, in the run game um, and also being able to release from some of those blocks to be wide open. Yeah, I think the vertical attack is going to be pretty strong. We, we saw a lot of output from these guys last season, so I don't really have any big concerns about the wide receiver room. Obviously, when you lose a guy like Alec Pierce, it it hurts, but they went out and got a guy in Nick Mardner who had way more yards and receptions than him last year, and hopefully he steps into the mold and plays well with these guys, and we continue to have a high-end passing attack. I think a lot of this comes down to the combination of how our quarterbacks perform and what we're going to see schematically from Gino, because I think there's a lot of low hanging fruit on the table in terms of play calling, in terms of the types of offense we're executing, but we're pairing that with a new quarterback, a new face, a much less proven commodity, whether it's Bryant or Prater. In my mind, those two things are the biggest variables. Our running back room. Sure. It's not Jerome Ford anymore. You know, one of the most explosive running backs in UC history. We don't have Ritter. Uh, we don't have Alec Pierce anymore. I, de- I do somehow think that a lot of the talent we have on the roster and the depth we have at those positions, at skill positions, we have enough talent and athleticism to, to still maintain good production offensively. It really comes down to quarterback play and offensive coordinator play calling slash execution. Those are the, the two biggest variables, and they'll be the two biggest variables all season for our team. 100% agree and I have a bit of concern on the play calling front just because of last year I feel like the offense I was wondering if you were going to be desired but I was I'm wondering much... if you were going to if someone was going to bring that up are well, the rumors true baby. who was calling the who is it true Gino was behind behind the clipboard was he behind the mic yelling in the plays during what was probably the biggest, uh, not probably was the biggest game in UC football history where we just saw, like, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe still, like looking back what I saw. From oh, no, the I know, I know how to, I know how to describe it. And it's the words of the great Sebastian Maniscalco. Aren't you embarrassed? It was an embarrassing offensive game plan against Alabama. Pardon like, stop. my French, but it was a fucking disappointment. <laughs> However, Gino was calling the plays all of last year. Now, on the flip side, he was calling the plays for Denbrock's offense that he instilled. So this is really going to be the season where we find out if Gino is the dude, because even with the question marks at quarterback, he's got a strong offensive line, awesome tight ends, a very strong wide receiver room, strong running backs. If he can't get it done with what he's got, then we might have some problems. But I have I have faith that the offense is going to look different enough 
and feature guys in their strengths and not ask him to step outside their comfort zone. But yes, definitely a big question mark for sure. Pointing out that Gadouli was calling plays within the Denbrock system feels like the kind of thing you say as a way of making yourself feel better about it. But that fast forward four months, it's December and we've, you know, gone through a season of just atrocious or inconsistent or uh, substandard play calling, we look back on it and say, I mean, we can't be surprised, right? Guy called plays all last year and we were frustrated and disappointed and it was, wasn't great. And we were expecting different results this year. Why? I'm just saying we need to put a pin in this moment and say, we might already know, like we might know that this guy's not that great of a play caller And maybe we shouldn't be surprised if it doesn't go that well. We'll see. I think that's why it's to me, the biggest, one of the two biggest ifs or, or wild cards or red flags on the offense. A little change can do you good. It can. It can also be the thing that reinvigorates us. Who knows? I mean, well, the question mark is definitely there. I'm going to go the route of optimism and say, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it at all. And Fick, I trust, you know, <laughs> Fick, Fick has been a, for the most part, a pretty good evaluator of talent, um, you know, filling out his staff, everything that he's done, you know, yeah, give it to me. I'll take it all. I'll take that pipe down. All right. Uh, I'll take the pipe. He's 0.01% owner of this podcast. You know, he, he, he has, he has decisions to hire and fire here. Uh, but no, I mean, like, look, <laughs> One of his one of his coaching trees member is the head coach, the head coach at Notre Dame, right? His other under his coaching tree, as much as we don't like him, Denbrock is the offensive coordinator at LSU. These are not two tiny programs that Luke Fickle's proteges, or if you would, his coaching tree is now at. Like that's massive, and so I trust in him that he's been able to evaluate talent, and that Gino's the dude. Gino's the guy. Fickle has blessed him, the Sir Gino Cadulli. <laughs> it always comes back to Fick. It really does. Every time. And Fick, I trust. Well, I don't want to just gloss over the running backs, but that's exactly what we're going to do today because I do want to flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to let you just, just skirt over this. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's a little disrespectful, but like <laughs> running backs are running backs, man. Like we've got several options. Am I concerned about production? No, I don't think there's that much mystery of what's going to happen. You're going to see a few different guys get carries. Onward. What are we What are we going to hash over? Corey Kleiner is going to come in here and be the guy who saves the running backs, right? We, what's there to save? We just had an amazing year from Jerome Ford. We need to continue having a, a legend, like uh, I won't say legendary, it's not the right word, a highly productive run. We need to have our running backs being being the core of this team in terms of we don't know if we're going to have a rookie starting at quarterback or we're going to have Ben Bryant, you know, we don't know. And so we need to take the pressure off. And like I said, smash mouth, run the ball up, bring the safeties up, throw over the top. And if we don't have a quality backfield, that's going to be able to get that done. So yeah. Are there question marks? Ryan Montgomery, the guy's going to get it done. If, if Corey turns out to be not as great as we all think he is. Bold prediction. The two the two Montgomerys combined will outrush Corey Kinder in the season. Miles mm-hmm. and Ryan. 
individually or together? Two, two together. v one. You're together. saying two v one. Two v one. But but take, take true, that as an it, indictment it, it, though, because it's going to be it's going to be committee. Kiner's already dinged up. He hasn't practiced yet. That's a that's a concerning point. So and he was dinged up at LSU as well. So I think you you give Kiner, you know, 10 to 12 rushes a game and and hope he crushes it. And then you get a heavy dose of uh, the two Montgomery's and Charles McClellan. I, I just know, here, here's what's, what's going to happen. You're going to have running back by committee. They're going to get Corey healthy. Corey's going to come in and he's going to, you know, game six, game seven, he's going to come in and he will be the guy getting 50% of all the snaps. And then the other three will, will get their reps off the leftovers. Swing. Yeah. I mean, that would be great. I, but again, I'm not even that interested in the whole thing. I don't even think it's that interesting because I look back at the last few years Michael Warren gets drafted, is on an NFL roster for a period of time. Dokes, NFL roster. Jerome Ford, NFL roster. Now we're moving on and we're, and we're plugging in the next guys, whether it's Ryan Montgomery, Miles Montgomery, Corey Kiner, Ethan Wright, bringing the safety back over. Plug and play, baby. This scheme, this offense, this team, we have this a culture like we- of being able to run the ball. We were on a roll there, all right? We're, we were taking out the entire offense here, right? We were on the rails, on the rails, and you went just to divert us south. Like, I get it. The other side of the football, it's where you wanted to go. You know, we, we could do better than just a roster, you know, rundown. We kind of, we get it. The running back position, history need tells me it's by. fine. There's not much to Time worry out. about. Time out. I'm going to get this puppy back on the rails as your conductor of this Bearcat football <laughs> chat. I want you guys to pick a guy that you're most excited about. They don't have to be a big contributor, but someone that you're really excited to see hit the field this season on the offense, on the offense, without a doubt, no doubt in my mind, it's Ryan co. I cannot wait to see coherent kicking back on UC's team. Boo this man. Give me all the field goals, Joe. I, I'm going to live and die with those plays this season based on how abhorrent it's been the last couple of years. Hummer, who's yours? I'll, I'll pick it. I'll pick up a skill guy, but that's, that's a legitimate answer. I cannot wait to see some coherent kicking in 2022. Look, we, we've talked about already. I want to see Evan Prater. Like I, I want to see him. I do. I want to see him win the job. I want to see him hit the field and I want to see, and I'm excited to see him do well. Like that, that's what I want to see. That's what I'm most excited about. That's the question mark. I want erased from the board because like, I think you hit it earlier. You don't want a quarterback battle. You don't want a two quarterback system because what happens is, is you bring in P Ryan on a third or fourth and one and the other team just knows you're going to run the ball. Right. If you're bringing in a second quarterback for a specific play, they know exactly what it is you're about to do. And that's not what we want. Wildcats are not a surprise anymore. So we don't want that here. We want to have the guy have confidence in him and let him go. I'm excited to see Evan be the guy. Where are you at, Joe? Tell me where your head's at. And then I'll give you a more sufficient, more pleasing answer than a kicker. This is a wild card. Okay. 
and I don't think he's going to see the field a lot. Don't take mine. Don't do this. Oh, I'm going to do it, baby. I want to see my man, Shaman Mateer. He did it. I want to see that guy on the field. I mean, following the off-season workouts, this dude is a freak of nature. 6'5", 257, and running 22 miles an hour uphill. Yeah. I mean, that guy, that guy is going to be, yeah, backwards, uphill, both ways, in the snow, barefoot. But I, I'm pumped to see him get on the field. We know what we have in Wiley. We know what we have in Lenny. And they're going to be great, and I think they're going to kill it this season. But – I kind of want to see what I want to get a little taste of the future and the future is tasting mighty nice. <laughs> I'm with you. That was the name I was going to say if I didn't go special teams, um, which by the way, I guess was technically a violation of, of your question is that I went special teams at that answer. Personal. But say his name one more time for me. Shaman Mateer. Shaman Mateer. Shaman Mateer. You hear the stories, the little write-ups that Justin Williams includes in his articles about this guy. And they're always very small, one-sentence blurbs. But they're always kind of describing the most impressive physical specimen slash mutant that has ever existed on the Bearcats, Cincinnati Bearcats football field. And I keep wondering, how could he not hit the field? Like how being with the program, the amount of time he's been where he's built up his body physically the most impressive guy on the field. How are we not getting him out there and getting some reps? It's, it reminds me of early career Travis Kelsey, where it was blatantly obvious that he was, you know, tight end one or, or one a on their team, but he was getting very, you know, minuscule reps, not a lot, not a, not a lot of opportunity. And then you put the freak show on the field and it just so happens they can't be guarded. I too am very excited to eventually see this young man get on the field. Absolutely beautiful. Love when a plan comes together. <laughs> Let's talk defense because we we went through offense and there's a lot of big names that were, were off the roster on that side of the ball. Defensively, it seems and feels like we're actually seeing more new faces and getting to know more new players and that there's a lot of opportunity for players to make their name but there's a lot of opportunity as well for us to be disappointed that, uh, you know, Joel DeBlanco is not on the team anymore, that Sauce Gardner is missing, that uh, Kobe Bryant moved on. We're replacing a lot of big-time names on this defense that was one of the best in the country for a couple seasons in a row there. How is Fickle replenishing a defense and, and a style of play, first and foremost, that is his calling card. He is a defensive-minded coach that starts on that side of the ball. How do you see things going here, Joe? I think you're going to see a lot of wrinkles on defense this year. It's It's been said that the five, maybe the five best players on the defense are at linebacker. How do you get all those guys on the field at the same time? You probably don't. Um, but you find ways to get those guys in different positions, uh, get more pass rushing out of the linebacker position. We've got a very strong front three for our three, four kind of base defense. 
but I think that's going to shift around quite a bit and you're going to see um, our defensive coordinator shift things and call the defense a little differently than we did last year, because why mess with a great thing that they already had? Now he gets the option to kind of toy around and try and get the best 11 guys on the field, regardless of the base defense. I think you're dead on. You look at the the projected starting defensive front with Malik Van, Jawan Briggs, and Jabari Taylor, and it's not necessarily it's a, it's an extremely solid group. They're going to hold up up front. They're all big, strong guys who are going to be stalwarts against the run. But you don't necessarily have that like smaller, more fast twitch, more explosive edge type guy that we had in my Jay Sanders last season, and it does seem like all of our freak athletes on defense are in that linebacker position. Um, we all know about the Sean pace. That's my favorite guy, probably on the team full stop loved watching him last season. And, and if you're going to ask the question about the guy I'm most excited to see, I'm excited to see the guy we already know is a proven commodity. Take a jump this season. I think Deshaun pace is going to be absolutely incredible this coming season, but you've also got Thomas uh, Huber Ivan Pace, the Pace brother, uh, came over from Miami. There's a lot of depth and a lot of size and a lot of athleticism and probably ways for Trestle to get creative in terms of generating that pressure that would have come theoretically from MyJ Sanders last season. Um, because we know he wasn't getting the sacks, but the pressure was there. He was getting in the backfield. Unblock me, MyJ. <laughs> come on, MyJ, do it. Unblock him. I'm sorry, man. He wants, he wants that Cardinals content. It was. I was 20 beers deep. I shouldn't have said what I said. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, he I'm was only a boy, you. Joe. He was like, what, 18 at the time? Jesus. I mean, mentally, I was like 14. So true. We're, true. we're pretty fair, I think. Un- unblock him, my Jake. Unblock Come on. Joe. I'm sorry. He's a councilman, for God's sakes. What do, you think, what do you think, Hummer? What, what's your, uh, what do you, how are you feeling about the defense this year? I mean, obviously it's going to be very different. Uh, we lost. Don't, arguably... you, don't need, you, don't need, you don't need to lead. You don't need to lead the question here. Right. You, you don't need to load the question up. I think the defense is still going to be very, very good. I think there's, there's definitely question marks of it. it can it be as elite as it was last year? Does it have potential? I think it does. Uh, I think the defensive line is solid from a, from a standpoint that we have very, we have a, we have a solid core and we have enough depth to keep it fresh. And we have enough wild cards that maybe there's some guys who are able to step up and be incredible. Like Rob Jackson, like guy could be an absolute stud. We don't know. Right. We also have a, a transfer from Ohio state. You know, you don't just really get yourself uh recruited to Ohio state by being a, a, sh- a, a schmuck, if you would. Um, so no, there's, I think there's a lot of potential on the defensive line, but I'm also, I'm not too worried. I know we are replacing it and I'm not saying we're going to be able to do this, the, the best cornerback, you know, duo in what college football history. Um, possibly. But I think possibly, but, and I think we have enough guys though that we're going to have still a very good, cornerback crew and i'm you guys want to say the guy you're most excited about you know i'm hoping we get to see some jq i want to see i want to see mr hardaway come out and i want to see him do sauce things 
right away. You know, like he's one of those, he's one of the guys I believe that that became the at the time the highest rated recruit in UC history at the time of his recruitment. Uh, there's a lot of hype around him. And I'm hoping he can live up to it. I'm hoping he can be, you know, I don't want to say anybody can just come in and be sauce. You know, guy didn't let a single touchdown happen. But I want to see, I want to see him be well. And I'm really excited to see him see him get on the field. Joe made a really good point about the defense, and I think it's why it could actually be more entertaining to watch this new version of the defense this coming season, which is a, a weird take. But last year, the lineup and the roster and the positions were essentially set set and watch it. You know, Tressel would come in and just say, cornerback position sorted out, safety position sorted out. We've got our linebackers. We've got our defensive my J, line. Go, go my J. Go, yeah, my J. Just kick back, enjoy a <laughs> martini, and, uh, you know, we're going to roll out our defense without a lot of wrinkles, without a lot of, you know, fancy shit, for lack of a better term, because we know we have more talent and we have better players on that side of the ball than your offense does. And we don't have to do much of anything because Sauce is going to lock down half the field. Kobe Bryant is going to be a ball hawk. Um, my J. Sanders is going to be in the backfield. DeBlanc is going to be solid as hell in the middle of the field. This season, you just have more wild cards. Like we, we can say definitively, our cornerbacks will not be as good this season as they were last season. That said, to protect them and to allow the defense to be more effective overall, you could see Trestle get much more aggressive on the defensive front. I think that's exactly why he will be more aggressive. We're going to want to continue to be a defense that forces turnovers but we have to do so in a different way. We can't just sit back and lean on, you know, guys like, like Sammy Anderson Jr. And Jaquan Shepard and, and, and JQ Hardaway being on the field and, and instantly counting on them to be the type of lockdown cornerback that sauce was, or Kobe was no, they're going to, they're going to get beaten more frequently, but we're also going to be a defense that is blitzing more frequently. That is being more, uh, let's say creative scheme wise. So as to try and trick the offense uh, and for some some extra turnovers. And I think that because of that, it's going to be a more entertaining unit and a more maybe tantalizing unit to watch this coming season because our, our, our coaching staff is going to be forced to do things differently than they did last year. It almost makes it sound like you're like kind of saying it's, it's like they're going to have to resort to being gimmicky. And I just I don't think that's going to be the case. I think that the program that Fickle has built isn't built for just this one and done run, you know, one year of greatness. You know, he he's building us a top 10 program here and we're getting talent that says we're a top 10 program. And I think these guys are going to come in and surprise a lot of people. And that look, I thought the defense was not boring last year. I love the fact that every single play we knew who was going to be in there. We knew what to expect. And I think we get to expect the same thing this year which is a really good defensive unit. Hummer. And I don't Sauce, think it's going to have Sauce, to resort to gimmicks. Sauce Gardner is quite possibly going to be a generational player. Like uh, the type of cornerback that doesn't come around, but once every 25 years, we're not just going to magically have one of those reappear on our team. Like they have to do things differently when you don't have a player like that. That was a set it and don't worry about it side of the field that just, but maybe, maybe exist. now, maybe now we have, we don't, ha- maybe we don't have another sauce, but maybe now we get another uh, uh, Kobe Bryant. Maybe this time we have two Kobe Bryant's 
that's fine. It's okay if you don't always have a generational corner, but when you have good corners, it's still hard for other teams to score. I don't think we're going to have to resort to gimmicks to replace an all-time great. I think we're going to be able to just play good defense and other teams are going to have a hard time scoring against us. We're also playing in the American Athletic Conference and I'm going to get just as cocky as I was last year. It's a terrible conference. We should run over this conference. Truly, So, like, that's why I'm just saying I I think it's going to be okay and I don't think we're going to have to resort to gimmicks and and being flashy and moving people around and trying to – I think we're just going to to play defense. We're going to play Luke Fickle's version of Smath Mouth football like we always have. That's why I'm you also thinking Ben this word Bryant gimmicks like some derogatory term. What's it wrong is. with some wrinkles? God damn it. What's wrong with changing it up, providing some new looks? You didn't like that cornerback blitz against you back, back in my day. So here, <laughs> when I, when I'm talking about the defense being more multiple, I'm not talking about it being gimmicky. I'm talking about it playing to what the offense is dictating last year we saw it against alabama we ran that three four defense out there and we got absolutely gashed but now we have no no joe hummer told me that we executed defensively that was that was execution my friend hummer told me that was execution i wanted to be executed after that game because my heart was so broken. If the offense doesn't score, I'm sorry. It's 21 points against one of the best offenses in the country with guys. They also have, pardon me, but Alabama had the most NFL players, just the most, the Heisman Trophy winner. And we held them to 21 points. Like we, if our offense would have shown up and done anything, we could have won the game. I think the defense did a phenomenal job of oh. holding that talent back. Like, oh. what do we want? Like, oh, just don't score at all. I'm sorry. They had the ball. How often, how often was Alabama on the field? We went three and out. How many times getting our eye socket caved in and you're saying, please, sir, can I have another? It's not really that. It's just, I'm just saying like when, when we're sitting there looking at it from the standpoint of how often we went three and out on offense and that our defense was on the field for how long. And they only gave up 21 points. They gave up more than 21 points. Was it 20? I don't remember what it was. The last one at the end didn't count. Hey, Hummer, question for you. How many yards rushing do you think Tulsa had against us last year? Without looking. I generally have an idea. No, this is like 300. I think it was like 350 yards. So let's see here. I'm at 237. Yeah, over 300 rushing yards because we run a 3-4. We ran a 3-4 defense out there consistently. Being multiple allows us to shut that shit down. Sounds like you're talking about scared. gimmicks, We're not scared Joe. of Tulsa. We're not Sounds scared like you're of talking Tulsa. about getting gimmicky, Joe. We want all the smoke, okay? I'm not afraid to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma. What you call multiples, Hummer calls gimmicks, all right? Fuck off with your gimmicky. gimmicks, Joe. Gimmicky. Gimmick, gimmick, gimmick. Who are, we, who are we most excited to see defensively? I've already teased my answer to this but who are you two guys i guess hummer already answered jq what about you joe who's your guy defensively that you can't wait to see i want to say jq but i think we're going to see a big step forward out of briggs this year Ooh, i like it sounds like he has shifted inside a little more and he's going to play to his strengths 
straight up on the center. So I think Briggs is going to show us the player we thought he was going to be last year. Although he, he was really good last year, but I think he's going to take a step forward. I like that answer. That's a good one. I wasn't expecting it and it would make a big impact on the team. He just, he gives me the, he, he looks like a guy who should be on the inside dominating in there. And so I, it, it felt like last year was sort of on the fence. Do I want to be an outside guy? Do I want to be an inside guy? You're saying he's, he's going all in on being a big bruiser in the middle. I think they're going to play him a lot more inside. And when they run that gimmicky four, three type offense or defense, he's, he's going to be stacked up inside and, it's going to be awesome. There's going to be a lot of man in there. Maybe get him and Dante Corleone, the godfather together. Just maul three dudes together. I love it. All I'm pointing awesome out dudes. about about last about oh this defense. Oh Give it. Oh boy. We're going into the third quarter against Alabama and it is 6 to 17. Like yeah, and we've had you have an opportunity, and we've had we the didn't shit score. kicked out of us. We we've we pass up an opportunity and not being able to get the ball in the end zone. If we go into that game tied at 10-10, it's a different ball game. It really is. I'm not. I'm. I honestly don't think it was that bad of a defensive effort to say, look, you guys were in a position to have a tie ball game at halftime, and then and then even then still be in it late into the third quarter. Like, I'm sorry, our offense doesn't keep up. I, I just I don't think it was a bad effort from from the defense. Brian Robinson Jr. rushed 26 times for 204 yards. <laughs> and Jerome Ford rushed for 15 and 77. Des Ritter went 17 for 32 with 144 yards. Our offense was fucking shit and didn't do anything. You're not My wrong. Bad. You're not wrong. I'm just saying we got gashed for another 300 on the ground in that game. Because Dumb had 181 yards. He had 181 yards, one interception. His three touchdowns were like little garbage time. Like, I'm just saying, I just right. wasn't a bad defense. We, it was execution. We wouldn't force him to throw more. We didn't force him to challenge our elite cornerbacks more frequently. Instead, we let Robinson kick the shit out of our groin again and again and again throughout the entire game. That's not never, phenomenal. He never, he never scored a touchdown. Of. Uh, Okay, we weren't in a position to be able to win that game at any chance. We weren't down three to ten going late into the into the second half. Like, what the hell? What else do you guys want? If the offensive scores there, we're sitter. We could be tied. We could literally could be a tie game at in the, at halftime, and it's a whole different story. But our offense couldn't score. All right, our defense was All playing right. phenomenal. I don't right. understand where people were like, "Oh, this is such a bad thing." Like, whatever. I just don't. I just don't agree. Just admit you're wrong. Oh, I'm not. I'm not going to admit I was wrong. Come on. Just we don't score. We didn't score touchdowns. My bad. Just a minute. No. Not going to. Not going to. I'm not going to, so stop asking. <laughs> <laughs> Can't make me. <laughs> All right, what are we looking forward to over the next couple of weeks of training camp? What's got you uh, – what's something to keep an eye out on? Other than our quarterback battle, what are some of the most intriguing battles happening right now? I'm not finished. Oh, I'm oh. not finished on the last topic. Okay, keep going. Hummer, what do you think our rushing defense was ranked at NCAA overall last season? Oh, God. Just piling on. 124. That would be pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> but you were actually 50% <laughs> off. They were 62nd in rushing defense. 
They they were worse than Indiana. They were worse than Nebraska. They were worse than fucking Miami of Ohio. They weren't great on the rushing standpoint. I'm just saying there could be some improvement there. You're forgetting that that stretch of AAC games where we were letting the likes of Tulsa, you mentioned them, South Florida, Tulane. Like there were teams that were just moving the ball down in the field with the most conservative vanilla play calling because our defense struggled against the run last year. That was clearly something we needed to improve this coming season. And I think the way that the, the defensive front will be constructed this year could lend itself to improving in that specific aspect, even if the passing defense regresses slightly. And, and I think the linebackers are going to help with that a lot, even in a three, four base, Ivan pace was brought in to help sure that up. So I think you're going to see some natural improvement there just because of the guys they have, but I like to see a little bit of improvement on the Russian game. It, it was uh, pretty mediocre, uh, almost in the middle, actually. So, little the but difference between that's what I'm trying to say. We, and ordinary is just a little extra. We have Luke Fickle building a program, bringing in talent to be able to run the schemes he wants. He wants to run the three down linemen with having the linebackers, having the snipers, all this stuff. That if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he the one who invented this defense? Wasn't Oh, well, if you're talking like what the three, three, five. Yeah. Who invented that Joe? Who gets credit for inventing the three, three, five defense. I don't I mean, think it, he invented it. it. It was a thing, but I, him and Freeman, you know what I'm talking conco- about. They concocted this defense together. This like version of the Bearcat, the black cats defense was a, but, a concoction of Freeman and, and fickle together. Right. And now, well, either way, I guess the point still stands is if you're if you're upgrading the linebacker talent overall, all across the board, you're able to run that more effectively. Maybe not. And then having those those linebackers run up into the line, essentially making it a four down lineman, however you're going to do it. But I don't know. I think we have the talent. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Yeah. I I wasn't worried either. Change nothing. No gimmicks. Be a man. Change yeah. nothing, no gimmicks, be a man. Be a man. Three, three, five, boom. Boom. Done. Three, three, five. Three, 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 five, five. Whatever. Five, one, three. I can yell numbers too. <laughs> 69. <laughs> On that note, he fellas, took it there. Hey, he took it there. Let's do this again next week. Joe, are you coming back on with us next week? Yeah, of course. Okay. Let's get let's get into this. Let's let's actually record a podcast in one week's time. Sound good, Hummer? Yeah. And Question: Do do we have a basketball program? I haven't heard anything about it. <laughs> we do, but it's football season. There'll be plenty of time to get into basketball. Uh, there's there's scorching hot takes. Oh, it's Making, it's wild out there, boys. But it only is going to take one simple decision to change the course of Bearcats basketball history. Do it, do it, Isaiah. Pull the trigger. Do it, Isaiah. Join us. Come to us. Come to the dark side. Are we the dark side? We can the be. The light side? It can be whatever you want side. All I know is I've got my season tickets locked in again. So that's awesome news. And uh, I've got yeah. an extra seat. So we we could probably squeeze a couple games in for you boys this season. No, 
You know I'm in, Joe. You know I'm in. You don't even have to drive me home. Oh, well, I won't be driving you home because my wife doesn't go to the basketball games. And I'll be far too intoxicated off those Coors Banquet beers to, to be operating a motor vehicle. They go down smooth. All right, fellas, let's let's call it a night here. And uh, we'll touch base next week with some more Bearcats football talk. And if we want to, you know, maybe sprinkle a little sprinkle in a little hoops talk, that wouldn't be such a bad thing either. Joe, maybe we should have a schedule, hopefully, uh, in the next week or so, I think, at Mm. least a non-conference schedule. So tasty might be something to say. Yeah, is the schedule schedule's not out yet, is it? Hell no. The AAC sucks balls. I'm sitting there thinking because, like, I I know I'm I know when I'm coming back, so I don't have any vacation scheduled because my wife's out of vacation. But we're coming back for basically like two weeks, I think, in uh, like late December, early January. So I'm trying to, if I can see the schedule, be like, all right, this is when we're going to the games, guys. Me, you, and Joe are going to a game together. As long as there's one available, it's happening. Even if it's like, even if it's Tennessee State, no matter. I don't care who the opponent is. That's uh, that's going to be about the average opponent based on who the rumored guys coming in the season are. So, yeah. But if you come, if it's January, it'll definitely be a nice game against Tulsa or maybe uh, a noon tip against Tulane on ESPN eight. The Ocho. Hey, West you know Miller what? went to the Mick Cronin School of Non-Conference Scheduling. Do, does anybody know? Have they thrown out coronavirus protocols at this point? Like, there are none, right? Like we're not going to have to worry What's about coronavirus. Hummer. Thank you. Hummer, you've uh, been in New York too long, my friend. No, 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 no. I'm only asking because last year I came into town and they canceled games and we had to get Ashland State, Ashland, oh. Kentucky. All right. And we, we had to get these small, I'm like, come on, let's, let's end the madness. You know what New York did today? They pulled off in the subway. They have stickers that say social distancing, stand six feet apart. No one listens good right because you shouldn't anymore they pulled them up finally they're gone i can't even believe you're mentioning protocols but they're actually they did implement i did see this there was a recent announcement they are implementing monkey pucks protocols and you're no longer going to be allowed dry humping at games so joe damn it sorry good thing i don't listen to the rules baby all right fellas we'll talk on that note cheers boys cheers